You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo. We're back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And, of course, I am joined by the WWE Hall of Famer, the legend, Ted DiBiase. Ted, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Marcus. How are you today? Man, so to, to use your phrase, I feel like a million bucks. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing, doing very well. And, man, we're, we're fixing to get better because we've got a fan favorite today. Uh, today it's our fourth edition of Ask Ted Anything, where uh, you put it out there on your social media, and it got a big reaction. I just cannot wait to dive into some of these fantastic uh, listener questions. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hey, uh, just a quick reminder, though, before we get going, this is your last shot for the giveaway that we're doing on YouTube at youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod. By the time the next episode drops, it'll already be September, which means that we will have chosen a winner for this WWF superstars signed action figure from the million dollar man himself. That picture. Oh my God. <laughs> That's Ted and NXT there beside it. See and, my uh, tonsils. <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, it is well worth it. <laughs> It is well worth checking it out on YouTube just to see this graphic if you're part of our listening audience right now. Just go over there and have a look. And while you're there, just subscribe, and then you're eligible, and you can win. Again, it's YouTube.com forward slash at Everybody's Got a Pod. All right, man. So the first question we've got this week is Matt Pleasance, who asks, Do you have any good Tatanka stories? I was 10 when he turned heel, and it broke my heart. Um, You know, I can't. I can't re- recall any anything specific. I mean, um, I was there when Tatanka broke in, and you know, kind of you know saw him, you know, come come into his own, and and um, I think mean, that's why, you know, um, I, you know, I don't think anybody knows, but you know, I was like. When I when they told me this, what they were gonna do, I was I was very favorable uh, of him because you know, because of how far he had come, basically. So, uh, but I mean, any specific story concerning Tatanka, I, I you know I couldn't I couldn't really tell you. All I can tell you is a real 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 good guy. Uh, you know, he's uh, I know he's got a son. I think that's uh, uh, playing ball. I think wrestling too, and that's doing very well. Yes, which is, you know. That's that's really cool too. And so it's another wrestler's kid who's admiring his father. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, you know, I, I know that his son, at least what I've seen on social media, looks like he's he's achieving good things in amateur wrestling, and that seems like a good foot in the door for uh, professional wrestling if that's what he chooses to do down the road. Yeah. Uh, Tim Rawls is up next. Who was your favorite tag team partner? Was there anyone that you would have liked to have worked with that you never got to? Uh, well, I mean, you know, of course, you know, Mike Rotunda, IRS, and I became tag team partners. And and we worked very, very, very well together. Um, but I guess when I when I want to pick a, 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 I mean, he would be on the list. But, you know, if you go back into my, into my beginning, you know, back when I was uh, a rookie, so to speak, and still learning my trade, um, you know, I got I got tagged up with uh, a guy named Dick Murdoch, who, you know, I'll be honest with you, Dick Murdoch doesn't get the credit that he should get uh, because he was Dick was just 
unpredictable. I mean, he never knew what he was going to do or what he was going to say. And, and I mean, it's, 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 it's funny. He could, you could be in the ring with him because, and I, I experienced this as, as a referee, I was in the ring with him when he was, they, uh, he, he had a guy named killer Carl Cox. Yeah. Had a big feud and, um, they're in the ring and, and he's, he's cutting jokes. Murdoch is, you know, uh, with me and, and with, and with his opponent <laughs> and, and, you know, but I, outside, as far as the, the, the crowd is concerned, um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's built beating the hell out of killer Carl Cox. So it was just, <laughs> he was just a, a funny guy, but I mean, in terms of a partner, well, I, you know, and I, so I partnered and again, that's that rub again. They, they put you with an established guy. And, and of course, everybody knew the history. Everybody knew that Dick Murdoch was another guy that came out of West Texas, you know, and he tells everybody he went to West Texas state, but he never, he never did. <laughs> uh, but he is, yeah, he was, he was born and raised there. His father was a wrestler. Uh, and so, and, and again, my entry into Mid-South Wrestling was through Dick Murdoch. So, anyway. Man, a lot uh, of history. He was him. one of those guys that, you know, um, just, you know, he made it a, e easy for me. So, You know, when I read that question, I was like, okay, it's going to be between two for Ted. In my head, I was like, probably either Steve Williams or uh, or Stan Hansen. Uh, but, but so, uh, would you say that you had better chemistry with Mike well, Rotunda? Well, no, it, it's you know, it's it's funny. Uh, Mike, 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 and I had had, had good, good chemistry, um, but my like the 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 gimmick, the IRS gimmick, you know, the tax man gimmick. It was like, I don't know that there would any anything that would be wild about it, um, uh, and he did it very well. Yeah. But again, you know, go, going back to tag teams. Uh, you know, when Steve Williams and I tagged up, uh, we, we had a heck of a run. Um, and, and again, th that was Bill putting Steve with me. Cause you know, Steve had, uh, basically just come out of the university of Oklahoma as a, a, a he played football and wrestled for OU. He's a bad dude. And, and yeah, I mean, my, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, my, when my dad was in college, my dad played football and wrestled and was a three-time uh, conference champion in, in wrestling. And in 46, 1946, you know, basically when he was in the Navy, he won the AAU National Heavyweight Wrestling title. My dad did. Wow. Uh, you know, and again, uh, uh, Steve, Dr. Death, I mean, great guy. I mean, he, there's another guy who... I don't think really realized how, how tough he was. I mean, cause it's kind of like, uh, if, if you get in a bar fight and you can only have, uh, one guy as your partner, he might want to, he, he might, he, and, and, and Haku. <laughs> <laughs> cause Steve was really, you know, he, he was really a, he was a, a great guy. There's a guy, you know, who, you know, whose life was too short. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Uh, but gosh, what a legacy he left behind, not only in yes. America, but overseas, football, wrestling, as you mentioned. Just, man, just a freak athlete. And actually, yeah. uh, this this transitions well into uh, another question we've got here. PJ Garrett asks, who's the toughest man in the history of wrestling? Is it Dr. Death? Mm, the toughest guy. You know, that's... That that would be hard to say. I mean, I, I don't I don't know that you could pick any one man and say he was the absolutely uh, you know legitimately toughest guy ever. But um, Haku would have to be in, in one of those guys because he he is legitimately uh, just tough as nails. And and, and again, thank God he's such such a nice guy. You know, you, you hate to you know for a you know, uh, you know, a guy his size and, and, and whatever to be, uh, you know, like a, a real dickhead. <laughs> Jake has uh, told me that he witnessed some of the stuff that Haku did, including like pulling another man's eye out, biting a guy's nose off. Uh, were you ever present for any of that? 
I wasn't present of, uh, for it, but I I have seen him in action. I mean, I've heard all the stories. I never I, I never got to witness it. Don't know that I really wanted to <laughs> witness anybody getting their nose bit off. But no, it sounds terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, he was a legitimate tough guy. Dick Murdoch, Dick Murdoch in, in his era was a, a legitimate tough guy. And 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 again, um, you know where wrestling goes. I don't know. If, uh, uh, were, uh, but for legitimacy, I mean, like, you know, me, you know, my dad was, was guarded as a great professional wrestler, mm-hmm. but he also, like I, I, I've said, you know, was, uh, the AAU national heavyweight champion in 1946. And then, like I said, lettered three, uh, you know, uh, four years, I mean, three years in a row at was conference champion when he was at Nebraska. Yeah. Man, I would love to do a full episode at some point about your dad or family history or something like that, you know, um, where we can where we can do a kind of a deep dive on on the entire history of everything and talk about his career a little bit. So let's let's definitely do that down the road, because okay. I'm, I'm learning about your dad. He was obviously way, way before my time. But as I learned about him, you know, he's a fascinating guy. Plus, he's Paisan. I'm Italian. Too. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like uh, they go, Ted, what's your name? Ted DiBiase. I said now. If you were Italian, uh, you know, they they basically, all, all the old Italians would say, he's a Biaz. They never, you know, so is it DiBias or is it DiBiase? I mean, it's spelled like DiBiase, but it's not pronounced that way. It's DiBiaz. Um, DiBiaz. It's funny. I was on YouTube and uh, tons and tons of positive comments. And then I saw one that said, this is the most Italian podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> I sent it to my brother. It just cracked me up. That is awesome. <laughs> well, and again, obviously, because, you know, I mean, in, in reality, you know, I am not, you know, I'm not biologically Italian, but I'm the first one that'll punch you in the nose if you call me a wop. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's yep. Like, I mean, I, uh, that's the culture I, that's the culture I grew, uh, grew up in. And uh, uh, my dad adopted me and I adopted the culture. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of like you know, it's like you make spaghetti, you make pizza. Uh, okay, anything Italian, any anything Italian, most most anything Italian, it's all about the sauce. Oh no, question about it. If the it. sauce isn't right, nothing's right. And I can still remember my mom would get this great big. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many gallons of water or whatever you could put in that thing, but. She the the base of her spaghetti sauce was a pork roast, and I think different people use different things. But hers was a pork roast, and I think she started off with like like uh, five cans of tomatoes and four things of tomato paste, and I I don't know, but I I know that that was on the oven all day, uh, you know, on the on the stove all day long, simmering and, and making it and, and everything, and. Uh, and then, so by by the time you went to get that meat, I mean it just it just rolled off the bone. I'll tell you I'm what, man. Brother, Sunday that's dinner. Old, that's old school. Oh God, <laughs> that had to be something special. And the, gore, the garden. They 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 grew their own garden. Oh my gosh, their own own tomatoes and 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 all that stuff. And oh my gosh, it was just. Uh, it was heaven, man. <laughs> I think the wife and I are going to be having Italian tonight. I just made that executive decision. <laughs> uh, well, my, Melanie and I found a place here called Enzo's, and it's pretty good. The name sounds promising. That's very yeah. Italian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All Beautiful. right. Let's, let's get to some more listener questions. We've got uh, Jason Petiti, another Italian, up next. Uh what was your relationship with Mr. Perfect? Do you wish you had worked a program with him at some point? You know, uh, I, I, Kurt and I got to be good friends. Uh, we actually, I think what's funny is we met on a, uh, a trip to Japan. We were both booked by, of course, you know, I was there with Stan Hansen a lot, uh, but they would, they would book a tour. There, there, there would be like, like five or six, Guy jeans, you know, guy, guy jean is the, uh, the Japanese word for a uh, you know, foreigner, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be five or six guy jeans, you know, on, on the trip. And, uh, 
and and he was one of them. Uh, great guy, you know. I mean, I I, I mean, and, and Kyle, you know what? What's crazy about you know that Mister Perfect? I mean, he was legitimately talented. I mean, just I you know a lot of that stuff he could really do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, good guy. They said that like during the vignettes that they would be shooting, like he'd have to hit like a basket or something. He just hit it on the first try. They'd say, oh, yeah. like, "Hey, hit a home run, no problem." He just nails a home run the first try, just like a great athlete. Yeah, yeah, uh, he, he was good, good guy too. But uh, yeah, you know, another guy who wasn't here long enough. No, definitely gone too soon. I know that also though that he was a uh, legendary ribber. Do you happen to uh, remember any specific ribs from Mr. I don't Kirkland? remember any specific ribs, but that is a fact. Oh, yeah. he loved to rib you. And it, the deal was, I just would, I tried to stay neutral, you know, because, you know, you don't, uh, you definitely don't want to rib him first because whatever he comes back with as a, a counter rib is going to be worth <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh my gosh! Great. Did you ever? Did you ever rib anyone? Not really. Yeah. Like if anything, just small stuff. Oh, yeah, nothing I can remember. Um. Well, Martin Zwolfer is up next. Is there a superstar of your active time that you ever wanted to work with but never had the chance to, and why? Uh, superstar of my active time. There's one guy that, that came to mind for me whenever I read this, and I'm not sure if you've worked with him or not, but I was like, has Ted ever worked with Barry Windham? I feel like you guys would have chemistry. Um, no, Barry and I, you know, we, we we never did, you know, we never worked us crazy. Uh, I mean, you know, because he and, he and Mike became tag team partners together, but no, we were, it was just never... We were never in the same territory uh, together. Man, that could have been a great, uh, yeah. you know, uh, rivalry. Uh, but, um, but well, you know, I'll tell you a guy that I did get to work with, and I loved working with, uh, but did uh, didn't get to work with him uh, nearly enough, and that was uh, Paul Orndorff. Oh, that's a great one. You know, uh, Paul was Paul was really good, and uh, I'm trying to think where it was. Uh, it was well, it was mid south, and I had turned heel, and he was still a babyface. Bill came to to both of us, you know, and it was just kind of like it's kind of like one of these things. It's time to, to grow up because you know we were, you know, we had both we were both babyfaces, and mm-hmm. um, at the time. And, uh, so he says, I want you guys to go out and go Broadway one hour draw. Now, you know, and and we're we're looking at each other, we're looking at each other like, holy crap, you know, and, uh, uh, almost like, you know, uh, who's going to lead this thing. And, you know, it ended up being, uh, I, it, it was spontaneous. We, we both called it. We would, you know, we would come up with stuff and I, and, and he would suggest, you know, anyway, it was so good. You know, I mean, Vince, I mean, Vince, uh, Bill had us work the whole territory. I mean, it's kind of like every night I was working an hour Broadway with Paul Orndorff. <laughs> we got to know each other real well, you know, but uh, that's a guy I miss. I mean, uh, because he was just, he was good. He was funny too. He was funny because he was really, it was really easy to rib him. Oh, um, he was like gullible? Yeah, he was, he was really, uh, yeah, it, you know, and it's like, you know, then you would do something or say something and something and, he, and, and then he'd look at you like, really? <laughs> <laughs> No, Paul, not really. <laughs> uh, man, God, what a... Man, who, who did I not get to work with? I mean, uh, another guy that jumped out was maybe somebody like Cowboy Bob Orton. Did you ever get to work with... Oh, wait, you worked with him, didn't you? 
you know what? Uh, yeah, Bob and I never worked. Oh, I'm thinking of Jake. Yeah, you know, by that time we 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 were both heels, and yeah, he he would be, yeah, he would definitely be somebody on on the list, you know. But um, good, good gosh, Almighty! That's a good question. We'll have to we'll have yeah. to give it some more thought. Um, we've got Loftus five two one up next who asks, "Was there any wrestler you were afraid to wrestle? So was there anybody who like maybe had the." The tendency to hurt people, or who maybe just didn't like you, who you thought might take liberties with you. Uh, I, I can't think. I can't think. Of, no, I can't think of anybody that uh, you know. I never. I, I pretty much got along with everybody, and uh, uh, it's kind of like there's you know this just in life. You know, there's a lot of times there's this guys that uh, you're you know you, you know something that you don't like about them. Mm -hmm. uh but that's life but i don't i can't think of anybody that i had a i never had a i never had a major issue i mean it's like with anybody no nothing you know nowhere uh no match i ever had turned into a shoot you know uh that's impressive and uh 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 wow in all your years in wrestling, I mean, that's that's I would say borderline unheard of for you to not have some kind of an issue with somebody somewhere along the way, especially where it's it's a sport where it's very physical and guys are throwing punches and every once in a while, a dude catches you with a nasty one. You give a receipt and maybe then he gets butt hurt. So it's uh, it's it's interesting that you never ended up, you know, getting super crossways with anybody. Uh, it just it just never happened. It, it did. You know, and I don't know if that's, you know, because uh, uh, my, I guess my, uh, my trip to the top you know, was pretty quick. I mean, mm -hmm. if you look at it, if you, you look where I, I started in 75 and, you know, like by, like, like, by what, what, 77, 78, you know, I'm, I'm a main event guy. Yeah. You know, uh, of course, not in New York. Uh, uh, you know, working in, in the in the Amarillo territory. I mean, uh, I did. Uh, I, you know, I, of course, when I went to New York the first time, I wasn't a main event guy. You know, and I wasn't there very long. But when I came back, you know, I mean, you know, when Vince brought me, when he brought me back with a, with the whole million dollar man gimmick, oh my gosh. It's like people hated me when I walked out the door. Yep. First time they saw me because they'd seen all those vignettes. <laughs> and that might be part of it too, where it's like not only is your father in the business, so I think people had a lot of respect for you, but also, you know, like you were climbing up the ladder and, you know, a guy who's near the top of the card is probably not a dude you want to take liberties with or piss with backstage, you know, because not that, not that you would, but, you know, could impact your career, uh, especially yeah. for a guy who's lower on the card. Yeah. Okay, guys, we've got to take a time out to talk about our sponsor, Blue Chew, and how they're giving guys like you a new lease on life with their incredible product. Want to perform with the confidence of the million-dollar man when you're in the bedroom? You need to try Blue Chew. Guys, let's just take a minute and talk about sex. Remember the days when you were more of a push start than a pull start in the bedroom? Well, Blue Chew can help you increase your performance and regain that old confidence where it counts the most. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready when an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. You want to hear the best part? It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the U.S. of A. and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. But as we all like to say, there will be nothing discreet about your package. Men everywhere have never been more excited to see their mail carrier arrive because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. Listen, I know what your next question is because it would be my next question too. Will it actually work? Why don't you just try it for free and find out for yourself? 
With our deal, you can try a month's supply for free, and all you have to do is pay $5 shipping. This whole time, you and your partner may have been missing out on the best sex of your life without even knowing it, so why not just give Blue Chew a shot and find out for yourself? Guys, we know that women are attracted to confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence. Don't wait any longer. Chew it and do it. Take advantage of our special deal. Again, you can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code EGAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code EGAP to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring Everybody's Got a Pod. Um, Ken Franks is up next, kind of related. What was the worst backstage fight that you ever witnessed? Oh, man. I could throw one out there that I know you were around for. Maybe you saw it. Was uh, Were you present for the Dynamite Kid dust-up with, uh, with Jacques Rougeau? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Would that yeah. qualify as the worst you saw? Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> What's your reaction? Are you trying to break it up? Are you, were you friendly with Dynamite? How did that go? Well, you know, um, you know, bo- both of those guys, I mean, I got along with, uh, but, you know, uh, and I can't even remember, I, I can't even remember now what it was about. So uh, apparently they had been having a lot of matches together and uh, Dynamite and Bulldog were doing a lot of stiff ribs backstage. And uh, these guys were the victims of some really stiff ribs from these guys, and they're getting fed up with it. Dynamite kind of challenged them on a few occasions, like, hey, if you want to make something of it, we can. And uh, nothing was coming of it. And then finally, uh, one it was like one rib too far. Jacques showed up to the building with a roll of quarters in his hands and punched out, uh, punched out Dynamite's teeth right there backstage. So, uh, so yeah, it's, I mean, from what I've heard, it was a very alarming scene. You know, there, I can't, can't think of anybody that didn't get along with Dynamite Kid. Really? I mean, I, I mean, you know, I mean, he was a pretty good guy. I, I certainly had no issues with him, you know, and, and he was a river, but you know, you take, you know, you, you take ribs in, in stride, you know, you try to, you know, you know, in, in the business, and of course, you know, like, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, obviously too, you could take a rib too far too, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, damage somebody's property or something like that. But, uh, and, you know, and, and, uh, I don't know, you know, Jacques and, and his brother Raymond were, uh, you know, both, you know, from Canada and, and uh, uh, good guys, but I, I know, I don't, you know, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have, so I like, yeah, I got along with all of those guys. That's just, I, you know, I, I just, you know, life's too short to get into, you know, uh, because it just, I'll just, I'll just say that it never happened to me. No, nobody that I ever worked with, uh, you know, uh, said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm gonna, I'm not going to do a job for him or, and there was nobody, nobody that I ever worked with that, that, you know, where I was supposed to get beat that I didn't, that I, you know, it's like, I, what are you kidding? Cause I usually, you know, you know, you know what the big picture is. That's the thing you got to remember. Mm-hmm. And where are you, where do you fit into that big picture? You know, and as long as, you know, it was, you know, if, if I was going to say anything to anybody, you know, I would go to like Pat Patterson, like, hey Pat, you know, you you know, you know, like, is it, are you sure you want to do that right now, or you know, you know, could we do something else? Uh, but that was very rare, and, and you know, and, and no, I, you know, I just don't, I never, I don't, I don't, I, I can't think of anybody that I ever had serious heat with, you know, unless it's, unless it's somebody I don't know, who you know think I, you know, who, th- who thinks I got. Uh, you know, uh, you know, more than they got, or I don't, uh, it just, 
Interesting. And, you know, it's like you're kind of like the model citizen when it comes to wrestling, uh, really, because, you know, you're just it's a job and you view it like a job, um, you know, where I think a lot of guys, they kind of get in their own head about like, oh, well, this guy's getting pushed more than me. He doesn't deserve it. Uh, he shouldn't beat me here uh, where, you know, you've got the right well, attitude. I mean, let's like, go back to the gimmick. I mean, it's kind of like I thought, you know, when when I show up, you know, and, and all the guys in the dressing room. I come come in and and from the get go, I'm flying first class and have limousine service every day and and, and all of that. But you know, there wasn't anybody that spoke that outright. In other words, like the, they were jealous of it or whatever. It was all like almost everybody to a man said, you know, hey, good for you. You know, if I'd have gotten that that break, you think I wouldn't? I mean, everybody thought, you know. Okay, if that came my way, would I take it? Of course you would. You know, uh, be so, be foolish know. not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be you'd be foolish not to. And 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 again, so and I would I would never begrudge somebody else getting the break. You know, it's kind of like now it's a different thing when it's kind of like if you saw somebody that wasn't. Uh, I don't know. Somebody who didn't respect the business getting well, a big break. Well, well, uh, well. Okay, there you go. Yeah, uh, if there's if there's one guy, and it, there is that one guy that I had an issue with it, with was the Ultimate Warrior, uh, because quite frankly, I think he got a break he didn't deserve. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he didn't respect wrestling. He didn't grow up in wrestling. Uh, and he had one thing going for him, a good body. If you go back and, and listen to any of the interviews he did, yeah, when he got sense. through, you know, I, I would look at somebody and go, what the hell did he just say? <laughs> There's other guys that I've worked with that, you know, get, get, got, got a break in, 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 but they're good people. They're good people. And they're, they were appreciative of, it's kind of like, I'm going to help get you over. We're going to go out. We're going to have a match tonight, and 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 I'm going to help make you a star. Right now, I've never said that to any guy, but I mean, basically, when when I have a match with different guys, I know what was wanted, what was needed, and and, and, and that was it. It's kind of like that's that's what this is, you know. It's kind of like, uh, and, and and it's kind of like, you know, I was on the top for a long time. I mean. I remember Bruce told me, he says, Ted, he says, you know, you were there in terms of like the top heel for a long time. Yes. You know, most heels never were, you know, the top guy that long. And, and so, so after you're the top guy, well, then you, you know, you step down and, you know, you're, you're not the type guy, but now you're helping make other guys. But at the same time, it's just a matter of you're the promoter, you, you, you know, you know who to protect and who to take care of and how to take care of them. And, and like, but as a heel, you got to know how to put somebody over and not lose your heat. And you, you nailed it, man. Uh, you know, I was asked years ago, uh, I was, I was talking to somebody doing an interview or something like that. And somebody said, well, who, who's the greatest heel in the history of wrestling? This is before I even knew you. And I was like, it's Ted DiBiase because he never changed. He was always a heel. You know, I can't really think of many other people who came to Vince's territory and worked as a heel the entire time that they were there, you know, especially yeah. if they're there for more than five years. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's incredible. And on top the entire time. Amazing. And that's that, that's actually kind of a good transition to our next question. Uh, Adam Pell asks, how do you feel about your rating and representation in video games? So the greatest heel of all time, Ted, uh, here's here's a look. <laughs> I know you said you didn't see much of yourself in video games, so that's why I wanted to include this slide. That's you <laughs> in, in, from 2019, the, the WWE video game. It's an 85 overall rating out of 100. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought it was like there's 84 guys in front of me. <laughs> no, no. So it's 85 uh, out of know, 100. You know, I mean, 85%, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a know. B, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah no it's uh it's funny i wanted to throw but that I mean, in there I, mean, I, mean, I wonder who they do those uh i wonder how okay i wonder how they find out how they get to that rating who do they who do they uh who do they go out and ask or do they just decide themselves 
oh, I think you're 85. You know, it's, it's, like, it's just the video game guys. They just like yeah. come up with some arbitrary number. Uh, but what's funny is, you know, uh, nowadays that's kind of a thing in pro wrestling with with some of the younger guys because a lot of these guys are my age or younger. So they're like, you know, they grew up with video games, so they're into it. And then, you know, oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on a, bi a video game. They get all excited and then they see their rating. And a lot of the guys get really disappointed and they'll take to Twitter and say, I shouldn't be an 80 overall or whatever. So uh, it's just, I, I thought it would be fun to show you that and get your take on it. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, hey, 85 is pretty high. I mean, you know, you know, like uh, if you take into consideration uh, all the other guys that, you know, are in, in that, and that to be voted on, I mean, it's like, <laughs> okay, I'll take it, you know. <laughs> Um, so Peter Allen is up next. Uh, did you ever spend any time around Vince Russo? And if so, what did you think of him? You know, I, I, you know, I, I, I knew him, uh, very casually. I mean, never spent a lot of time around him. Didn't really know him that well. Uh, um, I don't know if I was, you know, at the time that he got put in the position he was put in, whether he was ready for it. Uh, I mean, cause, um, to be put in a position where you're going to be calling shots and stuff, you got to know a lot about the business. Mm -hmm. And my question would be, Vince Russo, where the hell did you learn about the business? You know, it's a, it's a good what, question. What, what makes you an authority on anything in wrestling? Cause you never climbed in a damn ring and did anything. Do you feel that the best bookers traditionally are, uh, or at least guys writing creative traditionally, are the guys who were former wrestlers themselves? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Because, you, you know, being a wrestler, you're the one out there and you're the one. And it's kind of like uh, when I, when I uh, talk to guys, I said, you know, uh, you can't go out in the ring and just assume and, and, and like you can do something in, in a match and it really get over great. Now you could go to the next town and you could do something similar or the, or the same thing and maybe not get the reaction that you got the night before. And, 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 and I'm serious. Every crowd is different. Now the greater percentage of the people that you do things in front of, are going to have the same reaction, but you can't count on that. I mean, it's kind of like, that's why you can't just go out and before the match, I'll say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Step by step by step by step. You know, the greatest, the, you know, the dying art of wrestling is improv. Because uh -huh. way back when the only thing I knew going into the ring was the finish. Now, if I had history with a guy, now, if, if, if like, say, Jake and I had already had a match and whatever, and the, the last thing that they, they, that the people saw in the ring, you know, uh, was, you know, me, you know, really putting the screws to him, okay? And in a bad way. Well, then the next time I get in the ring with them, you know, I'm not just going to, I'm not gonna just going to stroll out there and just get in the ring and get introduced and start the match. You know, it's like the next time it's kind of like I get in the ring and, 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 and he hits the ring on a dang dead run and chases me right out of the ring and around the ring. And, you know, you know, because of what the people saw last time. Yes. So I might know the beginning. Okay. Here's how we're going to start, you know, and here's how it's going to finish, but everything else is on the fly. And there are, there are, I'm telling you, there's not a handful of guys today that can do that. You know, it's I mean, today. It's, just, it's a dying art. Today, the the greatest emphasis is uh, okay. Well, let's put these guys together because they'll have a great match. And it's uh, that you're right. What's missing really is that ability to tell a story and say like, well, here's what happened last week, so we should structure the match this way. You know, uh, where they're just going out there and doing all these spectacular things, and it's amazing. Like they're incredible athletes, but like they're well, not. It's, it's like I like I like it. You know, it's kind of like that. This that's why it's so hard for me to watch today's product. Mm -hmm. is because I, I watch them and it's like, okay, you might, I might as well be watching a tumbling match. Yep. Because all I see is them doing high spots 
Uh, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I, I've, I've seen guys, you know, do a deal where you don't, you know, you get, you know, you get, you know, I, I used to take a bump where, you know, like I, I would have, we call it an ass bump where the guy, he, the guy picks you up, kinda, it looks like he's, you know, dropping your, your, your rear end right on his, on his leg. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then I would take that and then I, I would bounce off of that. And I knew how to hit the, the rope in just the right part of my body to where my legs would fly up and I would go over the top rope to the floor. Yep. Now today you do that. They bounce up like nothing happened. Right. I, in turn, I would lay there and sell it. Yeah. All you young wrestlers out there learn how to sell. In other words, there's gotta be a reason for a, 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 a baby face to make a comeback. And, and, and unless he sells, I mean, your comeback's only going to be as good as your sell job. If you're not selling, you're not in danger. If you're not in danger, then the audience yeah. is going to disengage from it. Exactly. And that's yep. what's missing today. It's just like, okay, I'm going to go out here and I'm, I'm going to impress all these people with, oh, look at all these great b- bumps I'm taking. They're, they're not impressed with that. You know, it's like, tell me a story. You know, the, the story's not supposed to be uh, what's going on out in the parking lot or what happened that back in the locker room and whatever. I mean, those those things can be, can be interjected into the story. But the story that the people want to see is the damn match. Right. Tell me a story in the ring. Have a compelling contest in that ring that looks real. Enough said. Um, let's get to a couple more, and then I'll let you go, Ted. Dennis Tyson asks, any good Roddy Piper stories? Did you spend much time around Piper? You know, I loved Roddy Piper. Uh, he was great. He, he, Piper was great. I mean, uh, he, he's another guy that I did have an opportunity to, to work with some, mm-hmm. and I loved every minute of it because he got it. He knew what it was about. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, you can have a lot of guys. You can have a lot of talented athletes. Again, take the warrior, for example, who dedicated to, to, to building his body. And, 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 and that's impressive. I mean, oh my gosh, what a great body. But when you put him in the ring, you know, he's, he's got to be able to do something with that, with that great body. And unfortunately, you know, he wasn't in the business long enough to even to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. He had to be led step by step by step. And even sometimes then, you know, uh, he would he would do just what he wanted to do, and and that's why, it, you know, his run didn't last long, did it? It did not. You know, and that's why, is because you know you know what else can you do? When you saw one match of the Ultimate Warriors, you saw every match because that he did the same shit every night. And then you got a guy like Piper who maybe wasn't known as a body yes. guy, but no, and 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 you know you what? Oh my gosh. Uh, Roddy and I, we, we, we tore the house down a lot and I, I did have a good, I had, I had a good little run with him and it was, I loved it. I'm, you know, it's, it, and, uh, you never knew, you know, you, you never knew what to expect sometimes, but that was, that was a good thing. He was one of a kind. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Next question is about a guy that I uh, they did a dark side of the ring about him too, and I think he's one of a kind. It's uh, Doctor Doctor D. David Schultz. Isaac King asks, "What did you think about it when Doctor D. slapped that reporter?" You know, I never knew that guy, Doctor D. Really, I never really knew him. By the time I got there, he was gone, and um, the. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I would, I would say this, I mean, uh, that is, that would be an old school response (laughs) and I loved it. (laughs) It's kind of like, you know, you're calling my, you're calling my, you know, you're, you're sitting here, you know, you want to interview me and, and you're just in my face, you know, telling me that my business is phony. And that's when he slapped the guy. Did that feel like it was fake? <laughs> the look on Dr. D's face as this conversation is going on, too. It's like, I almost want to tell John Stossel, like, just shut up. Like, don't stop talking. This dude's about to get violent with you. You can just see it written on his face. And then yeah. he just keeps pushing. And, I mean, hard to blame Dr. D. I, I know it cost yeah. him an awful lot of money. 
and yeah. you know certainly cost him probably what would have been greater fame but man it's he's protecting the business yeah yeah and it, well and, and and again you know i mean and that goes back to the guy who's doing the interview you know it's almost like you know approaching a wrestler and uh you know it's almost like okay wrestling is 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 show business and pretty much the whole world knows that of course they they know it now for sure and of course there was a time when when uh it's kind of like uh if you went to a magic show today you know you know that guy out there doesn't really have the ability to make an elephant disappear right or car or whatever but he did and then you go the intrigue is how the hell did he do that? I mean, I mean, now you're, you know, it's, it's, it's keeping people in that, that, that place of suspended disbelief where absolutely where you, you like today, if you walk into a movie theater, you know, you're going to a movie, but when you sit down, if the actors that are on that screen are really good at what they do, they draw you into the story they're telling and they can make you cry. They can make you angry. Uh, they can make you laugh. I mean, that's the deal. Well, and it's the same thing with wrestling. So, John Stossel, don't come in and and try and and and, and, and basically make us look like a bunch of dumbasses. Yep. Oh, it's just you know you, you guys aren't really getting hurt, really. How many power slams have you taken? You know, how many backdrops have you taken? How many times have you been slapped, uh, slammed on the mat? I'm not landing on a trampoline out there. I'm landing on a, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a ring. It, get, it gets a little give. You know, we'll come out here on the floor. I'll show you a, a body slam on the floor, too. I've been there. I've done that. Sure. That one hurts a little bit more, you know. And, I'm, you know, I'm almost 70 years old, and I've had both my knees replaced. And that was cumulative. That was, that was you know, uh, high school and college football. And, you know, like night after night after night, how many times have I, you know, you know, fallen to my knees or one knee or, you know, who knows? But, you know, um, I, and I had uh, two discs taken out of my neck. There's a lot of wrestlers that have had that same surgery uh, because when you fall on your back, most of that is absorbed across the top of your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, you always, you keep your, your head tucked so you don't knock yourself out. Yeah. And, and it, it's just, it just becomes, you know, habit, you know, but boom, 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 boom. And, and basically what my doctor told me, he says, Teddy says it was, like, it was cumulative. This doesn't happen because just one night, oh, you, you hit wrong. You know, you hit night after night after night after night, you know, how many times, 10, 20 times a night, you know, uh, 300 so many nights a year and uh, eventually it you know you, you, you messed up a disc so i had yeah i had uh back then they would they would take a bone chip out of your hip mm-hmm. uh and that they they do it artificially now but back then they would they take a bone chip out of your hip and, and replace the disc with that bone chip and, and kind of fuse it to where you know you know you, you don't have as much movement you know and then uh uh, but I, now they use something artificial, you know, and I'll be honest with you, the, the place where they took the, the bone chip out of my hip, that hurt more than, than my neck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, dang. I mean, but, nothing fake about the injuries that you guys suffered. So, uh, I they... mean, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it's kind of like, uh, was the blood real? Oh, the blood was real. It was with self-inflicted most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, but there were times that it's like, like that one time I just saw that uh, uh, it was it was the deal that where maybe it was where I turned or I, you know, uh, Murdoch got involved in it and everything, and, you know, but I, I had I had hit it really, really hard and bled really. I mean, my, they had my head all wrapped up and, that, and then the bandage came off and, 
it was just every time my heart would beat, it would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, right before you turned on JYD, you had that you had a big bandage on your head whenever we watched it back, and your your uh, it looked like your fist was wrapped up too. So maybe that was what you had seen recently with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's let's do one more, and then we'll call it a day on uh, Ask Ted Anything for this week. Jimmy Chris asks, Jim Ross has said that Bob Sweetan was a complete asshole to him. Did you get along with Bob? You know what? Bob, Bob Sweetan could be a, a complete asshole. Uh, and I, I watched him work a lot. And his, because his style of work uh, was very uh, similar to my dad's. So, I mean, he was a, he was a really good heel. He was really good at being a wrestler, but uh, as far as a human being, uh, yeah, he, he, he left a lot to desire. Yeah, I've I've heard about some outside the ring incidents too, which we don't, which we won't get into. But not not necessarily a great guy. But even Jim, you know, Jim had nothing positive to say about him. But he did say like I. But I will say the man was very good at his job. Yeah, yeah, and I I I, I totally agree with Jim. You know, that's you know that's that's as far as that goes. You know, so. Well, we're going places here on Everybody's Got a Pod. This was an absolute blast this week, Ted. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I there's still a ton of questions left over. I'm going to roll them into the next episode. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, please, if you guys have got more questions for future episodes, you got to hit us up at Ted DiBiase Pod on all social media platforms, and we'll, we'll grab your questions there. Um, next month is September by the time our next episode comes wow. out. So uh, we've got we've got a loaded month, and I cannot wait to get into more stories. Uh, before we go, though, I want to remind you all that if you'd like to get this podcast on video with no commercials and get access to a ton of sports, entertainment, and other shows, get over to PremierStreamingNetwork.com. Sign up for Premier Plus. Enjoy some wrestling there. Enjoy some entertainment there. And uh, just enjoy like a premium quality experience with PremierStreamingNetwork.com. If you're enjoying our show and you're listening on your podcast app, please just take a few moments to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review because that does wonders for us and our podcast. Follow Ted on social media at MDM Ted DiBiase. Follow me uh, on X now, not Twitter anymore. It's X. Follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo there. And follow the show, of course, at Ted DiBiase Pod on all social media platforms. Uh, this was a blast, Ted. Thank you so much. Awesome, brother. Thank you. God bless you, man. And uh, before I go, as usual, everybody remember that everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see you guys next time right here on Everybody's Got a Pod.